Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the deck. Hello and welcome to episode 189 of the Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the second episode of November 2016, and our Daikaiju discussion for The Magic Serpent, which is less a kaiju film and more of a fantasy flick. Make sure you stick around after the discussion, because we do have some news and housekeeping to talk about. Now, we didn't get a lot of homework sent in, and we actually didn't talk about the movie for a long time, but we did have a really good time watching it. And since this movie is kind of in the gray zone, don't actually have the soundtrack for it, but what we are going to do is we're going to kick things off with the main titles by Toshiaki Tsushimura from The Magic Serpent. Then we're going to get right into the discussion. Once again, class, it is time for our Daikaiju discussion. Every month, the KaijuCast takes a look at the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with submitting their thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. This month, we are watching The Magic Serpent, a.k.a. El Serpent Magico. <laughs> Kaiju Daikesen, which roughly translates to The Great Dragon Battle. It was directed by Tetsuya Yamauchi. It was scored by Toshiaki Tsushimura. And it was released in Japan on December 21st, 1966, and then subsequently released directly to television by American International Television in the late 1960s. Joining me here in the studio to talk about this movie are my three co-hosts for the night. We have Charles Babbage. Hi. Dave Helfrey. Hi. And Sane Donahue. Cheers. And we uh, literally just finished watching this film. So I, before we start, you know, we usually do this. Who here had seen this movie before? I had not. I think Charles? I'm not at all. Sane? Nope. Dave? I think I was the only one. You're the only one, one, man. Back, back on like, I don't know, it was like 
KHJ TV or KTLA TV back in Los Angeles, yeah. Saturday afternoon creature feature. Probably saw this, I don't know, five times back in the early 70s or something like that. Yeah, so. in a small victory for Dave. Yeah, it's like, it is. The only, it's like one of the only times I've been the only one who's ever seen the movie. It is a rarity. It, it is a, a super rarity, rarity yeah. But, you know, so overall, let's find out, like, initial thoughts. What do you think, Charles? You know, coming over here, I had no idea what we were going to watch. Uh-huh. I kind of just left it blind. I was like, all right, it's going to be something I haven't seen probably. So yeah. we're, at, we're at that point on the list, I think. Definitely Pretty clear. I'm not, I have not seen most of them. <laughs> and I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, it's actually kind of reminds me of all the sword and sandal movies I watched as a kid. You know, Conan and Beastmaster. And, sure, yeah. Or even whatever, Ten Commandments. You know, I mean, it's got the same sort of story arc because, I mean, it is, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, it's based on a legend of some kind. And Yeah, it's like, it's like 19th kind of century movie. legend of uh, Jiraiya or Jiraiya or... How well, do you, actually, how do you pronounce the that? Magic Serpent was based on a late Edo period early Meiji novel oh from 1870 called Jiraiya Goketsu Monogatari, which is the tale of hero Jiraiya. There we go. This is information actually from one of our listeners and a friend of the podcast, Ayame Chiba, who said that it's loosely based on two daimyo, which are feudal lords of the time, Oda Nobunaga and his father-in-law, Saito Dosan. Oda was the first of Japan's three great unifiers, but was a man also of great evil and often referred to as the Demon King. Yeah, there's some, like, legit history, just in terms of, like, literary history yeah. behind this film. And Wow, this sounds like it should be remade, too. <laughs> it, I wonder if it has, actually. Wow. You know, the thing about a lot of these Japanese tales, these classic Japanese tales, is they do get remade well, yeah, every once in a while. yeah, just like yeah. our Billy the Kid. Or exactly, like yeah. Uh-huh. Paul Bunyan. But yeah. anyway, so you enjoyed it. Absolutely. Right yeah, just, yeah I, I could use a little more monster action, as I, I think we all agree. But, just about but, everything needs a little more monster action. <laughs> but, uh, but story, the story, I thought, you know, I mean, it's pretty classic, and, and I enjoyed it. Cool. So, Dave. Yeah. This may have been your, what, eighth time seeing it. I've seen so. this movie a lot, actually, <laughs> but I don't think I've seen it in the last... Four decades. Sure, ago. sure. I think I, like, I think I might have tracked it down once in the eighties. So, how but much of it did you sort of recall? Because we were quite watching the Japanese version. Yeah, the, quite a bit of it. There were a few scenes where, like, I don't remember the ghosts of of uh, you know the dead ancestors showing up and going like, "Hey, man, we're still pissed at you." You know, it's I don't I don't remember that scene. If that wasn't in your scene, I can see why they cut it. You know, but the uh, <laughs> easily forget. Yeah, you know, but the but I you know the scene that directly followed it when. Uh, uh, you know, I keep, I've already forgotten the character's name. Jiraiya. Jiraiya, uh, is up on the roof and then he throws the magic, uh, you know, the ring of magic around all the bad guys and Yuki Daijo and everybody. It's like, like that I remember really clearly. I remember yeah. it's like, it's like, oh yeah, I remember being a kid and thinking, um, well, actually, I remember being a kid and thinking, wow, these effects are cheap, which is <laughs> funny because that was like in the early 70s and I remember still thinking that. But, uh, also the, um, the other thing that I remember is, uh, you see the dragon in the beginning, yeah. and you see the dragon at the end. There's no dragon in the middle. And even as a kid, I was like, man, this is garbage. I don't know. Yeah, the movie, this movie's called The Magic Serpent. And you get like a little magic you know, guys at the beginning. The end, where's the magic serpent in the movie? You know, and, and so. He is absent. That, that always, uh, always kind of killed my buzz and still does. So I remember that. I remember being angry at uh, Toei for that. Not angry. I don't know. <laughs> I love the Toei. Mo- no, Toei. I know. I love the Toei movies. I mean, yeah. it's like you know, growing up, uh, being lucky enough actually, in retrospect, to grow up in Los Angeles in the seventies, where and I don't remember the name of the Japanese language 
TV station that was mm-hmm. there. But that's that's where I saw like a lot of the Henshin stuff that Toei did. Oh, like sure, cool. Kikider cool. and yeah. and, and uh, 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 Go Ranger is what I think they called it uh, on that. Uh, at least that's what the, what it was translated in the subtitles, and also a lot of the animation and stuff like that. But I see, you know, most of that I had seen prior to well actually i saw that prior to most of the godzilla movies that we've reviewed and loved and everything even mm. though even being made mm-hmm. so um that's what really kind of hooked me in and and the toei stuff like uh johnny Sacco and even the green slime which uh is a science fiction movie that i love um for no good reason at all, really. It's an awful movie. It's just an awful movie. What? It's some of the most ridiculous looking no, monsters. It's a weird but it's like one. Toei's made some great stuff. And I so I'm just kind of I was just for that, the history alone, excited to see it. Right on. Yeah. So Sane, what about you, man? First impressions of the magic serpent. Yeah, I've never seen this before. I think I've seen some stills from it. Um I enjoyed it thoroughly. I thought it was really fun. And I'm enthralled just by that era of film, just from its look. I can just sit and watch it just for set direction and the costuming and stuff like that. And it's like, and I didn't go into this thinking about it as a kaiju movie, I guess, in a really weird sure, way. Sure, yeah, even yeah, yeah. A, that's know, in, I think it's in bounds. And so I didn't even think about, oh, yeah, there's a monster fight coming up at the end of it. <laughs> I was just literally enjoying it, much like the Daimajin. Nice, I was yes, actually yes. watching the, enjoying the historical fantasy of it. Awesome. No, yeah. I, I absolutely wanted to bring up Daimajin mm-hmm. about in, you know, in relation to this, because this is actually the same year, yeah. you know, the same year that this came out, the oh, three Daimajin right? films came oh, okay. out from Daie. Um, I'm not sure if there was any influence there, but obviously the three Daimajin films came out, you know, spaced out over the year. And this one came out at the end of the same year. So I, I would hope that the success of those films, at least, you know, what I'm imagining would be the success of the Daimajin trilogy lent some sort of hand into the creation of the magic serpent. I also really enjoyed the film. I completely can see those flaws. And like you said, oh, saying, sure. I love, I love movies from the sixties, even the yeah. film stock, yes. you know, you look yeah. at it and you see those colors in the film and you're like, I know where I am. It's like a warm, cozy Showa <laughs> era feeling you get, <laughs> you know, overall, I thought the story was good. I thought the effects were pretty decent. We'll get into a little bit of that a little bit later, but, oh, you know, definitely something that I would, uh, I know it's, tertiary in terms of giant monster movies. You've got your Godzilla series, your Gamera series, and then you've got your outer lying giant monster stuff. And this tertiary is really something best. outside of even the standard kaiju stuff. This is a fantasy film, really. Mm-hmm. In fact, I actually asked uh, Ayami Chiba earlier today. I was like, is this, where do you see this movie? Where do you see the Daimajin trilogy? And uh, she had a very interesting comment. She's like past movies. We usually refer to those as fantasy films. Present stuff is usually horror films, and then science fiction films are like the future stuff, which is – it's just kind of an interesting idea. I'm not going to explore it any further in here, but you know, for sake of this being an ancient Japanese tale set in the past, it's a fantasy film less so than a science fiction film, of course. Uh, anyway, I really enjoyed the characterization in this film. The I th- after a while, I was like, wow, are they going to actually be able to bring all of these guys in? And they did. <laughs> it was a really – tight story. Well, let's talk about some things that we didn't care for. What would you say your least favorite aspects of Magic Serpent were, Charles? <laughs> you know, I, I just the same problems I have with every kind of I I'd like 
some movies and the look of you know these 1960s movies but you know i always cringe a little at the optical effects and yeah yeah you know and it's just, you know i kind of you know and uh you know i don't have a lot to complain about you know because i actually thought it moved along really quick and and i thought you know it was a good story and so i didn't i don't have a lot to nitpick like you know i kind of i like it so cool you know it just technical there's the technical and it really that might even be my only technical complaint is just optical effects, some really silly animation. Yeah. Uh, flying. I, I'll actually, actually, I'm going to, that's probably going to be my biggest <laughs> complaint about it too. But, I mean, I think we could all say we wish there were more monster. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, more monster sure. action. yeah. Yeah. But, but you know what? I mean, I can't even really nitpick the costume stuff. I didn't, uh, the, the suitmation stuff looked it, it, good enough for, I guess what I was in the mood for, you know. I mean, I'd say the suits. I thought it was just fantastic. as good as dragon. I, I, yeah. I mean, better. the dragon suit looked great. Yeah, I thought so they both did. I thought the giant the, chicken toad looked great. I, I know you're, <laughs> the only thing I got about the only beef I have with the chicken toad is, eyes? is no, I like the, the <laughs> eyes, dude. We're talking about the mid sixties. I'm going to cut them a little slack on the yeah. eyes okay. with the lights inside. Yeah, it's the weird spikes on the butt. <laughs> you know, the yeah. butt spikes. That's a lifestyle choice. You can't. You really. You can't. You can't. Give it a peacock had lost its feather. I was yeah. gonna say the only so thing I think I, I is the, uh, you could really see like the flame plate in the mouth when it's breathing fire. <laughs> like, other than that, you know, um, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to step over Dave here. No, no, it's like, yeah, to it. even the optical, the, like they're so charming. I don't even really find any flaw in them. I, I they're so I'm stretching here cute. to nitpick I mean, here. I like kind of, I'm gonna back that up yeah. though for a second yeah. because this is Toei. Toei has a fantastic animation department at this time mm-hmm. of their existence. Yeah. So I could have been better. The literally the shot of uh Orochimaru flying in on the <laughs> yeah. flame ball that, right. that could have been actually animated. You mm-hmm. know, like the flames could have been animated. Right. Yeah, I, I can't I, see them not doing it. You it know? The, it's it's that is my I think that's Maybe the one shot yeah, that was yeah, my yeah. biggest complaint. And it's like, okay, that that one makes me cringe a little bit. You know, even in the beginning when the wizard's jumping from uh, one side sure, of the Sure, yeah. I thought that was fine. I thought that was fun. So I guess you know, I've seen enough like kind of weird fantasy martial arts movies that that's the way they all look. So I just, yeah, I just enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah, totally, totally. I know the question is, you yeah. know, what din I like, but I have a hard time. Or what would you change? You know, yeah, well, know that there's that. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, yeah. Add more, you know, a little better animation there, but I love the set. I love the set design too. I mean, there's uh-huh. a nice feel about it's it solid. where it's, yeah. it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it has this element that I like about like hammer movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, all are on sound stages, mm-hmm. even if it's outside. Oh, it's completely. On a, it's yeah. on a sound stage. And that's, this had that same feel that I really like. So, I mean, it's, one of probably totally. memorable yeah, part nice of the movies. But. So Dave, what's your negative aspect of this film? Uh, you know, I kind of, you know, I sort of agree with Charlie, which what Charlie's saying about the opticals a little, a little bit, but, but I think I'm more in Saints camp with the, that's just sort of like the, how it felt and everything. And, and even there's a lot of, I mean, the opticals specifically, I mean, I can think of movies that were made 20 years after yeah. this movie, that the opticals are no better. Um, <laughs> but Lou, like Mega Force or, say, you know, yeah. something like the Lou Ferrigno Hercules, you know, or, you know, or even like, you know, even some of the lightning effects in Hellraiser and yeah. things like that are just so yeah. bad. But um, for me, if, if I was going to nitpick and I think, 
I think this is just kind of like some bad timing on the part of seeing this now. Cause in the last couple of weeks, I've been on this Shaw Brothers kick. Mm-hmm. And I've been, so I've been watching some of these 60s and 70s, um, uh, you know, like swords, uh, sword and samurai movies. And, um, I think the fight choreography was weak. Okay. I think I think the fight choreography was I weak. I could say yeah. that. You know, yeah. especially like, you know, the last fight on the beach and, you know, and some of the other stuff. Even, and I know we were talking a little bit uh, before we started recording about whether or not this was Toei's first daikaiju battle on film kind of sure, thing. Sure, yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, I, th- I think that the, I think the choreography of those rubber suits bashing up against each other could have been been a little bit tighter too. But especially just, especially the, the sword fighting, the... The ninja attacks. I did like the um the spinning door sequence. Oh, that was great. <laughs> the spinning door ninja Dude, that sequence. Was awesome. That was pretty that, awesome. That was up uh, there. It, it, and I will say optically. It, pretty solid. It, that was yeah. great. It was pretty solid. Was well, that was you know. really well done. You mentioned the Shaw Brothers stuff, yeah. which of course I liken to Hong Kong action films. Of I'm course. a huge Hong Kong wire work kung fu film Love that fan stuff. as well. Love that stuff. And so also love the Shaw Brothers stuff, but like I seriously like Wing Chun, Iron Monkey. These ones where dudes are flying through the air, yeah. running across rooftops. Like I got no problem with that. That never even breaches my uh, disbelief sensors, you know. So for me, this kind of stuff, it's so I don't want to say it's perfect, but you've got this company Toei who that's their deal is they yeah. make period films. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and digress here for a second. When I was there last year, we went to Kyoto, and actually my buddy Dell and I went to the Toei Studio Movie Park, which is basically their Universal Studios, like old school Universal Studios. Wow. Old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm pointing directly at Dave because he lived in L.A. So. And and went there and yeah. worked for them. For All right. So they've got like a museum and some special exhibits and stuff up front. But then you go into this big giant back lot that's essentially – it's an old Edo era – Japanese village. Yeah. And nice. you just walk around the village. That's amazing. Wow. It's cool. That's what they do. Not to mention you can rent costumes and stuff to get your picture taken. Oh my God. Awesome. <laughs> I know, dude. I like totally want to uh, go back and like, like the, uh... really shave my yeah. head really good and get one of like the samurai hair pieces yeah. and like an wow. eye patch or something like that. I would pay for that. That'd be amazing. <laughs> it's like getting your uh, your Western photo at the beach yeah. taken. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm a gunslinger. Yeah. Actually, remind, if you yeah. can remember after we're done, remind me. I'll show you some photos that I took at the, Sweet. At the park Super anyway cool. but Boss. the reason i bring it up is just the fact that like before i went to that park i didn't really have any idea of you know the breadth of toei's samurai films and you know period pieces like right that. so there's no question in my mind like these guys nailed it on that front at least and then if the fact that they did such a bang up job on the suits and stuff yeah like first first time out yeah totally i yeah. totally enjoyed the suits i thought they were fantastic and again we were watching it's like these miniatures are really impressive. The The scale is much smaller. These aren't 164 foot tall monsters. Right. They're like supposed to be what, 50 feet tall, maybe. So yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they're like the, the palace that they were destroying was great. Like, like looked brick and mortar and, and there was one all the little shot. beams falling. Oh it yeah. Was yeah. No, there was a little, there was, they, they packed in some details, some mm-hmm. surprising amount of detail. Yeah. There. there was this one shot right at the beginning of the destruction mm-hmm. when the toad was coming over the wall and I specifically remember saying, like, 
wow, they made at least even a smaller miniature scale and used a puppet there. Yeah. But that was the full set. Right. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. All the really little well shingles done. were moving around. It was great. They did a great job. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't have a lot of complaints for this. Mm-hmm. Like I said, like the animation would have been nice. One little tiny thing. Sure, and, sure. You know, <laughs> I uh, will say, though, that for the listenership, there's going to be a lot of people that probably will not like this movie. It's a stretch yeah, for a, a stretch. kaiju show. Yeah. But but, but gosh, if you're interested in expanding the kaiju, and if you really enjoy that Showa era, boy, like just right, as a totally, new right. thing to watch, if yeah. you've never seen it, if you've seen Smog Monster seventy five times, and you just kind of <laughs> want to see something else, like this is, but you could do way worse. Yeah, your gateway yeah. into this would be Daimajin, yes, and definitely. then follow Daimajin with this. Although this is unfortunately this is not one of those movies that's super easy to come across. No. Like, Someday, hopefully, it'll get a better release. But um, the chances of that are very slim. But again, yeah. everybody, like, yeah, nobody no, knows know why, it. Yeah, why, if no, somebody no. Yeah, is just looking for something new, I'm sure they can track it down and enjoy it. Yeah. Yes, it's trackable, for yeah. sure, for <laughs> sure. So, well, uh, I mean, what else did you guys love about this film? You know, like, I think I've covered a lot of what I loved. You know, the sets, the sets, the miniatures is what, uh, as Saints talking about, the, the miniature palace at the end was so amazing. But... Um, uh, you know, overall, I just like how, you know, I really liked how tight and clean the story was. The thing that I usually complain about the most with uh, fantasy, uh, Japanese fantasy movies, I feel like they throw in the kitchen sink, everything. Mm-hmm. So, oh, so, like when we were watching Nerechi. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of rules and then they don't really even stick to their own rules. They don't do a good job establishing the rules of the universe that mm-hmm. the, the story is taking place in. This, I thought it was pretty clear well-established they stuck to it they didn't surprise you with some weird hey, yeah here's my new mystical power yeah, you never you know, that, yeah. And, right. and i really appreciated that uh, giant spider no but you know they, they established established, they well established so, that, that and true. it's in line with everything else that's going okay, on yeah, with that's with true. That's with true. you know charles doesn't like feature creep no i don't i don't like that either yeah i totally and they and they that spider is well in line with the 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 chicken toad and the and yeah, the, it the serpent. It, yeah. it, it follows the same rules. So totally putting you guys on the spot right now. Can you think of any other Showa era fantasy films like this that you guys have seen? Whoa! Because well, that's I, that was I, earlier. I was like, I think this is the only one. You other know, than this, Die Machine. However, yeah. there's another film called The Lost World of Sinbad. Or I Samurai Pirates. It's got different that. names. What? Yeah, it's got Toshiro Mifune yeah. in it. I think what? Toho did it. It's yeah. not as fantastical as this, but still counts as a fantasy film. Yeah. Man. Yeah. There's that also a might Japanese... come around as like a uh, discussion diversion. When did Charlie? Charlie, you'd know this. Like, how early were those uh, Harryhausen Sinbad movies? Oh, those are 50 the fifties. Yeah, uh, yeah, late fifties. The first one. So the, yeah. would this be like? Would this be like in an Asian? Like, oh, these response these things. In, to? I don't know. Yeah, would, would it be, be? Would it be a response if Probably we're talking about a Sinbad not. thing? Um, the I will the say, Sinbad movies were that early? Yeah, I they will were like, say, well, the Harryhausen. The Harryhausen. Keep, okay, I'm just going to yeah. say right now, like seventh there's no monsters in the Toho Sinbad mm-hmm. film. So while these, the Well, Sinbad then I have movies, no interest. I know, right? I would say that, except Toshiro Mifune's in it. Mm-hmm. June Tazaki has an amazing role in that film. Wow, uh, you'd know okay. him if you saw him. But, right. uh, okay. Uh, so it's totally worth checking out if you can find it. But- there's no monsters in it, which is when I first saw Sinbad, I was like, yeah, let me see those awesome right? monsters yeah. because I love Harryhausen's monsters. Sure. And so I figured they were going to do something like that. The most fantastical thing they do is put Sinbad on a giant, crazy 
kite thing and fly him from one place to another. It's bizarre. Huh. But it's still a great film. Um, but this is the only one I've seen that has any sort of giant monsters outside of Dimagine, which mm-hmm. I would actually say askews more towards horror than, yeah. than fantasy. Yeah, I'm trying but still. to remember if there's even one with not giant monsters. I mean, there must be like weird forest people or something like that. I'm, I'm, well, there's I'm sure not, probably I'm, a lot of a, uh, like sorcerer-style yeah. well, Shinto stuff. More like, like the uh, like Beastmaster kind of stuff. The yokai monsters. Oh, yeah, yokai monsters. Yeah, yeah I yeah. guess those would definitely fall a little more yeah. into the – those are almost like Daimajin though where it's kind of like kind of scary but kind of bit, fantasy. You but know? they're almost – yeah, and there's a bit of humor in those ones. Definitely. So, definitely has humor so. in them for sure. Well, we just got to tell your listeners to post it to your Facebook page because if they come up with any examples, mm-hmm. I will watch the crap out of them. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I think – I would love to see I, I think we like all that. love – Dinosaurs, right? So mm-hmm. we all love dragons, which means yeah. we all love fantasy here. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's Definitely. what that's where my brain goes. At and least. a bit of, I guess, Atragon to some degree is kind of fantasy. Sure, a yeah, because you've got fiction, a little, but you've the, got the undersea the kingdom, well, kingdom you know, worshiping a giant monster. Yeah. God. Dinosaurs yeah. are fantasy since the Earth is only five thousand years old. Yes, yeah, six thousand. Yeah. Oh, right, my yeah. stand corrected. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, they're all mineral deposits left by the I was like really tempted to like have a hard cut and then Dave Dave is not on the podcast for the rest of the episode. (laughs) For comedic value only, Uh, my friend. We're good. We're good. Okay. Anyway, what were we talking about? Uh, I think we're talking about the magic servant. Anyway, I don't know. I really like this movie. It it sounds like final thoughts are in order. I, yeah. uh, The thing I was going to say, really engaging actors i really like the actors in this movie i really enjoyed you know, them. They the were bad, they? yeah neat. the hero and his love interest were really cool i like the bandits uh marobe yeah that was kind of a cool character there weren't a lot of uh yeah. there weren't an excess of characters like no, i was saying earlier like oh, they're yeah. introducing a lot of people i can't imagine they're actually going to bring them all together but they did that really no, well. i thought it was yeah. really good i really i enjoyed the lead actor quite a bit like i thought he was just great he was kind of engaging it's like and again for listening to somebody in a foreign language but he was like oh he has a genuineness i'm really responding to i'm enjoying watching this character i'm Uh, even though he's 15 we watched the subtitled version yeah yeah started off with the english but i'm glad yeah i think that would have i think that would have been the mistake yeah yeah i think i mean i think most people know like i the way i feel about the subtitled stuff is you know if you can watch it in its original language then you'll get a much better like feel for how the actors are doing you know even though we don't speak the language just being able to see them and hear their actual voice is so much yeah more of a connection that you can yes. make to that actor than from a dub not that, that that's impossible by any means and you know to compound on what Shane was just saying one of the movies i just watched uh, in my little shaw brothers kick was executioners of shaolin and that was a dubbed version so i might be com- i might be comparing a little apples and oranges here but um now that he's pointed it out it's absolutely true there there really was a a quality and sincerity to the to the acting mm-hmm. that in a lot of these movies i mean like the shaw brothers like they're just they're just banging movies out oh yeah they're cranking right, them out you know, so, so fast yeah. they're just kind of like you know i'm sure that you know have kind of got this you know edward it's in the can <laughs> let's go kind of yeah. you know kind of thing so i mean there were some scenes One take, in, jake yeah, yeah you know there was there was some scenes in execution get to that flying guillotine just bad just so bad and you're really not seeing that here no you know not, no, at not all. too over not at all or anything. No, no. yeah it's like really enjoyed it and that's great because 
villains from this era. And I mean, the acting style between America and Japan is so different. In fact, I was just reading about how a lot of Americans that watch any of the show era Godzilla movies that have Nick Adams in them. It's like, oh, he's so hammy. He's so bad. It's like, no, that's the way their acting style is. He was acting as per the directions of the director. He was like being told like, no, be broader because that's their acting style. That's the way they like to watch their drama and their, you know, film. And, huh. and yeah. So, oh yeah. If you, well, so, if you hang out with uh, like people in Japan, yeah. like they're, they're broad. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Just like, even keel, very mm-hmm. mellow, very quiet. So when you see people in a Japanese film acting very big, it's very different from what real life sort of is. So much so that when you encounter a legit person, like Japanese person, who is over the top in their speech, their mannerisms or whatever, it's jarring as hell. <laughs> uh, just... For the hell of it, I will tell you, we went to return a rented van and the guy who was behind the counter, it was like he stepped off the screen from some kind of crazy Japanese comedy. His voice sounded like this and he kept putting his hand to his head and was – I couldn't believe how much noise was coming out of his mouth. It was wow. wild, but it was still entertaining and in real life. <laughs> so there you go. I guess final thoughts. I I just I recommend it. I mean, I, and as everybody said, it's a step away from kaiju movies, mm-hmm. but I think it's it's a good step to just look at something different. I think it was fun. I think it was charming. You know, I don't I don't know if I would go so far as to say that it's a great movie, but uh, it's definitely entertaining. And um, if you can track it down, I say go for it. Yeah, definitely. This is a pop a bowl of Jiffy Pop, and if you got a girlfriend boyfriend, maybe. Snuggle up on the couch in the bad weather with a blanket over you and watch this little hour and 14 minute long movie. Totally, man. There are way worse ways to spend a Sunday evening. This was really fun. It was a really good film. Good, man. Well, I'm really glad you liked it so much. Oh, yeah, I loved it. I was very impressed just overall. I think for some reason when I, I tried to watch the dub a long time ago, I was very put off by something so i didn't pay too much attention or maybe i was just too busy was it the uh, was it the godzilla um yeah where you heard the godzilla Godzilla's noise roar. over the yeah. dragon yeah yeah so if anybody is interested in those details basically the dragon had godzilla's roar i want to say bird the had bird mothra's. had mothra's yeah yeah, yeah. and then uh all, them, some all the monsters all the monsters had old yeah, yeah if we had heard too. uh yeah which monster roar they would have used for chicken toad i, I don't remember which one it was <laughs> yeah. but it was a uh you know something? I can tell you that we have the intertubes <laughs> to tell us. But uh, yeah, they're they're all they're all you know. If there was only some repository for all useless human knowledge, and yeah. but I, I think basically what it's like, you know, the American producers like hey, monsters. Oh, they sound they sound like Rodin. oh, there yeah. you go. You know, Rodin's just, got a great roar though. That would work for Chicken Toad. Yeah. Sure, man. Yeah. Sure, got a gravelly roar. So in, uh, as far as I go, you know, my final thoughts are that this movie was a delight because I wasn't really. It's not that I wasn't looking forward to it because I look forward to all of these. But, you know, sometimes it's like, ooh, I haven't seen this movie. I'm excited about it. Sometimes it seems like, oh, this is just a thing I got to check off on my list. I was really happy with this film. I Mm -hmm. thought it was good. If you have not seen it, like I mentioned earlier, if you like Daimajin, definitely check this out. And if you haven't actually opened the door to samurai films and period pieces from Japan, there's some amazing stuff out there. So uh, hopefully we can get some really cool suggestions from some of the listeners of some other 
fantasy films. That would be awesome. Yeah. I would love fantasy that. Films. Really enjoy that. I actually do have several like modern ones, but I don't have anything else from the show air except this, the three treasures, which is that three hour birth of Japan story. Yes. Yeah. And then, uh, the lost world of Sinbad. They're the only ones I have. So I'd love hmm. to see some more in the future. That is going to do it for us. We did get some homework in from the listeners and here's how that went. We too both studied the same arts, didn't we? Now let us see which one of us is the stronger. Michael and his fiance sat down to watch The Magic Serpent and were really looking forward to it. They were able to find an unusual version on YouTube that spliced the American international television version with the deleted Japanese scenes. Once the realization set in that this was going to be a samurai film, Michael already knew what was coming. A samurai movie with minimal kaiju battles. This was okay, though, because the film is pretty enjoyable. Magic Serpent feels like one of the weaker Shaw Brothers films. Five Deadly Venoms, this film is not. But it has its moments of ridiculousness that make it just as memorable. Not every movie shows a hero survive a decapitation within its first act. Magic Serpent isn't bad by any means, though. The fights are action-packed and the characters are enjoyable. Michael's knowledge of Japanese folklore is rather weak, but he could tell that this movie is a mashup of a few different legends. Because of his lack of knowledge on the source, he won't criticize it on its ability to stay or stray from its source. The kaiju battles were fun, but over very quickly. Michael had to re-watch the finale because a trip to the kitchen made him miss it. Like many non-Subaraya kaiju costumes, these fall a little bit flat. They aren't horrible, but 1966 gave the world much more impressive kaiju. Daimajin and the Gargantuas are the first to come to mind. Overall, it's a solid action film, but a subpar kaiju film. Michael wouldn't recommend it to a kaiju newbie unless they already had a love of samurai films. Though it's far from great, Michael will be tracking down a copy for the sake of completion. Adam notes that although The Magic Serpent is clearly a film aimed at children, this Japanese fantasy epic really pushes the boat out in terms of production values. You have an adult subplot involving a traitor overthrowing a castle which is straight out of a samurai film, some impressively destructive kaiju monster fight scenes, and an action-adventure-type narrative that may have inspired George Lucas when he made Star Wars. This production looks big-budget with everything put up on screen and celebrated. The costumes and set are quite fantastic, and even the special effects don't disappoint. With a mix of men in monster costumes and scenes of flying heads and magic spells and the like, The Magic Serpent is an involved and involving fantasy film, and one which really grabs the viewer's attention. Mike Keller owns both a Toei video letterboxed VHS of Kairu Daikesen and a washed-out pan-and-scan public domain DVD of the AIP television dub of The Magic Serpent. For this viewing, Mike synced both up using his VCR, his TV, and portable DVD player so that he could have the best possible video presentation and still understand what was going on. Just call him MacGyver. The only drawback to this setup was that he had to hear the Toho monster sound effects that AIP stuck in place of the original monster roars, and he also had to pause the DVD for the longer title sequence of the Japanese version showing Dojin Hiki raise Ikazuchi Maru to adulthood. Mike finds The Magic Serpent to be a completely unpretentious and entertaining film, and he tends to like it more every time he sees it. Of course, its production values are below what both Toho and Daie were doing at the same time. Mike mentions that the optical effects are especially bad, and it's very annoying that the spider's legs don't move. But what the film lacks in visuals makes up for in heart and enthusiasm. 
Obviously, Mike says, the feudal Japanese setting combined with giant monsters and fantasy puts this in the same category as Dae's Daimijin films or the TV series Kamen no Ninja Akakage. While Mike says that the film may not be as good as those epics, it's at least a far better tokusatsu effort from Toei than The Legends of Dinosaurs ever proved to be. Mike notes that the narrative task of moving the action forward results in some things that don't make much sense if you have to think about them for too long. Specifically, Mike says, Why is it that almost everyone is so in the dark about their childhood? But they've waited until their early 20s to ask or even try and find anything out about it. Why, especially, is Ikazuchi Maru unaware of who his father is when he was at least 8 years old at the time he was rescued? And why does Donjin Hiki make no mention of his previous student gone bad until it's time for Ikazuchi Maru to graduate? But here's the real kicker. Remember the scroll with the secret of ninja invisibility that Ikazuchi Maru pulled out from behind the fire god's right eye at his dying teacher's request? That resulted in what exactly? At which point did Ikazuchi Maru get to use that information? It would have been better if Dojin Hiki had referred to a scroll with the secret of turning into a giant fire-breathing toad with peacock spines on its butt. One other thing Mike asks... Why did Japanese in the 1960s seem to think that spiders secreted their webbing from their mouths rather than their abdomens? See this film and Son of Godzilla. Guess nature documentaries hadn't made their way over there yet. Oh, and giving up his rightful place on the throne after it was all said and done? Poop on that. Michael Deke says that the magic serpent was kind of a disappointment as there was very little to almost virtually no kaiju action. However, it was a somewhat solid Japanese fantasy movie with a ton of violence. It feels a bit rushed as it fails to explain things such as how Ikazuki Maru was able to survive having his head cut off. Also, the English dub of this movie didn't really help out at all, and he wonders how they avoided being sued by Toho for using the roars of Godzilla, Rodan, Mothra, and Gaira. Overall, this film was pretty forgettable besides the fact that the human hero and the villain actually turned into kaiju. But other than that aspect, he'll just stick to Toei's hero shows, especially Kamen Rider, two out of five stars. And there you have it. Those are our homework submissions for The Magic Serpent. And if you are wondering what our next film is, December's Daikaiju discussion will be for the Korean-made Dragon Wars, or, as it's also known, D-Wars. If you'd like to have your thoughts, questions, and reviews submitted for the discussion episode, make sure to turn your homework in by using our handy-dandy contact form by December 22nd, and we'll make sure to include it in the episode. Now, having said that, uh, we do have just a little tiny bit of news, so we're going to go ahead and roll into that. This is United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. First, let's kick things off with a little lighthearted action. As I mentioned in the last episode, November is the birth month of Godzilla. So all throughout Tokyo, there have been little tiny events celebrating the king's birthday. First and foremost, the Godzilla store in Shinjuku is only open for a little bit longer, so if you are in Japan, make sure to check it out before it stomps back into the sea after November 30th. Unless... It comes back... Well, here's hoping. Don't get your hopes up, though, but hope, you know, seriously, Toho, if you're listening, I have the perfect place for this store. Tokyo Station's Character Street. Look into it. Anyway, next up, 
In addition to the Godzilla store, there have been some cool little exhibits that are on display for people to check out. In Harajuku, there is a gallery slash exhibition space called the La Forette Museum, and they have a small Shin Godzilla exhibit that will be on display from the 23rd of November through the 30th. So you have just a small window to get there and check this stuff out. Anyway, I'm hoping that these sort of little Godzilla events continue because I'll be going to Japan in January and I would really like to see some cool stuff on display when I'm there. We're going to go ahead and move on to the next item on the news here, and that is a link to Sci-Fi Japan's write-up by John DeSantis of the upcoming Akira Ifukube 10th Anniversary Memorial Concert in Chicago on December 17th. Now, if you have missed out on any of these Ifukube concerts that have been put on by John and Chris Olio and the rest of the team at Genesis 54, I would highly suggest checking this out, especially if you're in the Chicago area. Check the link in the show notes for information about that. The rest of our news stories are only tangentially related to Godzilla. The first is that Mifune, The Last Samurai, which is a documentary all about Toshiro Mifune, Sci-Fi Japan has production notes and the trailer for that particular documentary. It looks really cool, and hey, I have to say, just like uh, my documentary featured Yoshio Tsuchiya, so does this one. Check the link in the show notes to find out more information about Mifune, The Last Samurai. Also, another thing on the docket, the Skull Island trailer dropped. It was pretty good. I actually was kind of, you know, meh about it until John C. Riley showed up, and then I realized, oh, this is going to be a fun film. I like this. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in Skull Island. I'm not going to have links in the show notes to these, but I did think it would be prudent for me to mention that in addition to X Plus releasing their Shin Godzilla figure. Kyoto finally is producing their, like, gigantic, I think it's 50 centimeters tall. So if you've got some extra cash laying around, you really love Shin Godzilla, this might be up your alley. Uh, it's big, big. In fact, I'm just going to say, if you want information on it, <laughs> like, let me know, and I'll gladly point you in the direction of where you can try and get one of these things. But $1,000. I don't have a single item in my collection that was worth $1,000. And I probably shouldn't. Also, the SH Monster Arts Shin Godzilla was just released in Japan. I know a whole bunch of pre-orders were cut in America. So if you are on the hunt for that figure, start looking. Also, SH Monster Arts is going to be releasing the second and third forms of Godzilla, Kamata-kun and Shinigawa-kun. I'm not sure what the release date is on those, but they look pretty cute. You know, superposable versions of those derpy, derpy little monsters. And last but not least, in toy news, Ben Presto, who, if you remember me saying back in the day, right, so back when we were talking about the Ben Presto release for Shin Godzilla, I seem to remember myself saying, like, oh, yeah, this is going to be, like, 25 30 40 bucks or something like that, like, cheap and available readily. Well, boy, howdy, was I wrong, at least for that first release. I had no idea Shin Godzilla was going to be as popular as it was in Japan, and the secondary and tertiary collector markets have really jacked the prices up on just about everything Shin Godzilla related. So if you didn't feel like paying $300 for one of these Banpresto figures, thankfully, they are reissuing them in three different variants. There's sort of a standard variant where the tip of his tail looks a little different. There's the purple fin variant, where it looks like he's about to unleash his photon beams or radioactive breath. And then there's the coagulant variant, where he basically just looks like the statue he is at the end of the film. Now, even though these things are being reissued, here's the kicker. All they have so far are these tickets. 
So if you were in Japan, you could go get the tickets, which sold out in a number of hours, I guess. And these figures, keep in mind what we're talking about here is these tickets going on sale in mid-November, and the figures aren't going to be released until April of 2017. So that's one hell of a pre-order window. I've just got my fingers crossed for that purple variant, but honestly, I'll be cool with whatever I get. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and move on from the news to some housekeeping. It seems like it's been quite a while since we've talked about anything housekeeping related. And I have a very important announcement. If anybody's been noticing that the KaijuCast website just kind of sucks or it's offline sometimes, it's basically because I'm having a problem with my web host. Now, I've already actually started talking with a web developer And we're going to be working on a brand new KaijuCast website with hopefully some cool bells and whistles, hopefully some major improvements, uh, especially to the speed in which you and I use the website. But because I'm going to be revamping the website with some help from an actual developer, I'm kind of interested what would you, the listener, like to see on the KaijuCast website? Do you even go to the KaijuCast website? What kind of improvements could we make in the coming months or years to kaijucast.com that will help you out as a listener? If you want to send me an email, there's a contact form on our website, which is hilarious that I'm saying we're having all these website problems, but go to our website. I guess you can also email me, controller at kaijucast.com, but the problem is I get so much spam, so, so much spam. But I really am interested in hearing what people have to say because, uh, You know, I'm an old school web guy and I know there's a lot of new school web people and there might be some better methods to accomplish what we need to do in order to rule the world with giant monsters. Well, I think that's probably going to do it for the episode. Not too long, right? I think the other thing I was going to say is we're probably going to have a Yak Attack episode soon. We haven't done one of those in a really long time. And I feel like it's been a while since I've been able to connect with some of my peeps So uh, hopefully we'll have one of those in mid-December as sort of like a bonus episode. But anyway, I'm just going to go ahead and close out this particular show with saying, if you found the KaijuCast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, make sure you point your web browsers to KaijuCast.com to see what we're all about. You can get all of our episodes there because iTunes and our website don't play super nice, so only like 50 of them are up there or something like that. Anyway, kaijucast.com is also where you would find helpful links to all of the items we talk about in our news, all of our links to our own social media stuff like Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, those kinds of things, and links to our friends' websites like Sci-Fi Japan. Now, before I let you go, I'm going to close this episode out with the AIP version of the ending credits to The Magic Serpent. So until next month... Ja, Mata. Thank you.